Hello, and welcome back to How To Be Happy, a podcast where we explore all the ways that we can live a happier life. Each week, we're talking to happiness experts, celebrities, and ordinary people to uncover their secrets to living a good life. My name is Kate DeBrito. I'm your host and guide on this journey into happiness. Let's begin. Hannah Stenning has spent the last year travelling around Australia with her husband and five-year-old twins. Along the way, she's met a few snakes and emus, and she's learned how to be resourceful with some flour and a can of corn. But she's also had a magical year learning how to be more present and to appreciate the small things that can get lost in an otherwise hectic life. While not everyone can throw in their jobs to take a year-long trip around Australia, there are many things to be learned from Hannah's experience, including the recognition that maybe less is more when it comes to living a happy life. Hannah, where are you? Are you in a car? In the car. In my... <laughs> welcome to my office. <laughs> Hannah Stenning, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Tell us, set the scene, where are you? I am in Port Elliot in South Australia. It is between Adelaide and Melbourne. Okay. So it's right on the coast and we're on our way home after nine months travelling all the way around Australia. Okay. When do you hit Sydney? We'll be home for Christmas. That's the plan. Okay. So you've still got a bit of journeying to do. Hannah, I think a lot of people dream about what you've done over the last year, sort of throwing it all in and taking a a big trip, a a big adventure like this. Where did you find the courage to do something like this? You've got two twins in tow. You've got a husband and and two five-year-olds with you. Where did that courage come from? Honestly, it was a spur of the moment decision. (laughs) My husband and I are quite good at when we dream of something, just doing it. But we went to the caravan and camping show in Sydney in May last year. And we were going to have a look at some camper trailers because we wanted to do a small trip through the Kimberley. And when we got there, we found our dream camper trailer. It had two big beds and big living space and an outdoor kitchen and it was just very well made and if we wanted to buy it we had to buy it right then because it was a seven month wait on getting a new one so we were there and we thought oh gosh if we're gonna do this and it was a six of 65 grand for this thing we thought well we better not just do it for a couple of weeks if we're doing it let's just do it the girls are starting school next year so we've got a year before they start school if we're going to do it at any time it's now so we put down our 10 percent deposit and the decision was made on the spot what did people say when you told them that you were going to take the kids around australia for a year everyone was really supportive and just it seemed to make sense to people like when we both told our employers that we were quitting and the reasons we were quitting they understood because you can't really say no to that And when we told the girls' preschool teacher, I was a bit worried because it was them not going to preschool the year before school. She just, she basically screamed at me and said, you've got to do it, do it. So 
yeah, I mean, everybody thinks it was thought it was a wonderful idea. Well, that's the how of it. What about the why? Why did you feel you, you wanted to do this? Probably more why not. I mean, you've only got this one life. Your kids are only little for a short amount of time. I'd never seen a lot of Australia. I was born in Sydney and have only ever travelled little bits around Australia. I've never done a big trip like this. I think that's actually like a lot of Australians, to be honest. I don't think many yeah. Australians have seen, it's a huge country. I don't think many Australians have seen that much of it. No, and it's, it is, it's huge. And you just, when you live in Sydney, you don't realise that in huge parts of Australia, there are just emus wandering down the street. And there's this whole other country that I kind of hadn't, I hadn't realised was out there, or I knew it was out there, but I didn't know what it was going to be like. And we just thought you only live once, you've got to got to do it sometimes. All right, well, you started in Sydney. Where have you kind of clocked? Which which direction? We left in summer, so we travelled south and spent a month in Tasmania, which was wonderful. Lots of platypuses in the creeks next to our campsites, a beautiful free camps on the beach. Then we travelled back up a little bit through South Australia before heading straight up the middle. So we went through the Flinders Ranges, up through on the Oondandatta Track to Uluru, Kings Canyon, continuing up the middle to the Northern Territory, to Darwin. And then we went across the Gibb River Road in the Kimberley, where all the Boab trees are and the beautiful waterfalls and gorges, to Broome. Spent about six weeks around Broome because there's so much to do there before travelling down the West Australian coast for about six months. We were really sad to leave WA, but now we're back in South Australia and are going to do a bit of a inland tour of New South Wales before we go home. What happened to Queensland? (laughs) Sorry, Queensland. (laughs) It's such a big country. We couldn't, you actually can't fit the whole of Australia in in one year. You can't do it. It's uh, it's amazing. That's a whole, we'll have to spend another six months in Queensland. I'll call you on it if you say round Australia in a year, say, except yeah, I know. I wanted to do a. I wanted. I felt like I should write a list of the ten best beaches that we visited in Australia, but because we didn't go to Queensland, I kind of <laughs> can't do that. Okay, so you're in a camper van. You've got two kids. You're driving long distances. What are some of the challenges, but also some of the rewards of of having that much quality time together? <laughs> um, yes, I was very worried before we left about the amount of quality time that we were going to have together and the distance of the car trips. I was I was very nervous about that. Never spent this much time with my kids or husband before. But the kids have done surprisingly well. They have a lot of screen time in the car, which is, you know, good and bad. It keeps us all sane, but probably not great for them. And it's been really cool because it because they're five and they're starting school and they're starting to learn to read it's been really great watching them learn about everything Um, we play a lot of card games they're obsessed with monopoly deal we play about 10 games a day at least and it's been surprisingly nice to spend that much time together it's a lot more relaxed than at home well that's what I wonder breaking out of your routine obviously they were a different age when you began and and kids have different developmental stages but what are some of the the good things about not having that routine we don't ever we don't have to set an alarm ever so we just wake up when we wake up we kind of do whatever we want (laughs) there's no no except for the I mean the days that we have to pack up and move to another campsite which we do every two to three days we have that to do 
but it's been really freeing not not having anywhere we need to be not having any planned activities there's no swimming lessons there's no gymnastics classes or or anything that we have to take the kids to no birthday parties what a dream no kids birthday parties for all year <laughs> um and the kid, the girls have been fine they they I don't know um they're just really flexible and resilient and and just go along with whatever we're doing that day so I, I guess a lot of people, you know, who might feel envious of, of what you've done might also sort of say, well, I couldn't do that though, like give up my job. Was that hard for you both to sort of make that decision to put career aside to do this trip? It wasn't hard for us, honestly, personally. I think we'd reached points and having, I mean, having said this, Nathan will go back, Nathan, my husband will go back to the job that he was doing before, but we'd sort of reached a point in our careers where we're not striving anymore, I think. And being a parent changes that a little bit too. I, I, before having kids, was very much a career woman and I was going to become a leader of an organisation or something. I don't know. I was, you know, I was striving and and I, I got a lot of meaning out of that. But since having kids, I just don't anymore. I just, that motivation for career has sort of been parked for now. I don't know whether it'll come back or not. Well, when we first met, Hannah, Um, you were commissioning editor at news.com.au and then you went on to be head of video at at News Corp. So it was a big job and I always described you when I met you as um, a proper person. (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) I've used I feel like I've used that in job interviews because I think that that's the thing I always admired about you is that you were just a proper person you didn't have issues or hang-ups and uh, you know not to say that people can't have those but you were just eminently sensible good at your job just a, a real proper person it's not a lot of them around in workplaces you'll find but you decided after having twins, and I mean twins is double the double the trouble or double the joy, whichever way mm. you want to look at it. So I guess it wasn't surprising to make some some job changes. But how are you going to go back into the grind? Yeah, I think that's going to be really hard, to be honest. I think, I don't know if I will. I think it makes, makes me think about jobs differently where a job is a job and it has an end, a means to an end, which is to earn enough money to do the things that you want to do. I don't think I can see myself going back to putting in crazy hours or working in a job that I don't really like because I want to get a promotion or something like that. I think I think what this trip has taught us is about a little bit about living with enough. So you don't need we don't need as much stuff as what we had. Yeah, I listened to a really good podcast the other day with a architect from Tasmania talking about enoughness and how we don't really need a four-bedroom house with three bathrooms. If you just had a two-bedroom house with one bathroom, how much more time would you have to spend with your family or to go travelling or to do the things that you want to work part-time instead of full-time? And I think that's what I'm probably going to be striving for when we go back is the balance of having enough, so enough money to feed ourselves and travel, um, but not so much that it's for them have earning money for the sake of it. It feels like a bit of a, a sickness, doesn't it, in, in the Western world? And, I mean, I'm as much a, a, a victim of it as, as anyone else, that constant desire for more. You know, you just have to sit on Instagram 
to see, you know, someone mm. has a more beautiful space and a, a better design of chair or house or bench top or, or whatever it is. You, you're saying that you've learned that, you know, those things aren't necessary for happiness. What sort of things have brought you joy on this trip when you've had very little? Well, speaking of living with enoughness is that we have just enough in our little camper trailer. We don't have a bathroom. So we've been using campground toilets and public toilets and showers for the whole year. Um, and so little things in campgrounds bring us joy. Like there was a campground once that had bath mats. Ooh. And I was like, the <laughs> pleasure of a bath mat in a public shower cannot be understated. Book swaps. I've read 100, 150 books this year. And most of them have come for, from free to swapping books in caravan parks. And the greatest joys, though, have been watching the girls do things that we didn't, before we left, think that they'd be capable of. They couldn't swim before we left. Well, they had swimming lessons, but they weren't properly swimming kids. And now they can, in all the, they learnt to swim in indoor pools in Tasmania in our month there. And now they can snorkel. And they went snorkeling with whale sharks and watching them being so excited about getting in the ocean with these big creatures and being able to just take them snorkeling and it's just that is it that that's yeah more than I could ever have imagined really I think you also mentioned um, and, uh, to me before when we were talking via email that also the ability of the girls to do things that you didn't think they could do like do long walks mm. now I've got a you know teenage daughters who probably couldn't walk like for six hours but you're saying you've taken them on some really big hikes and they've just been absolutely fine yeah yeah we took them on the king's canyon rim walk which is the most beautiful walk i've ever done it was six and a half kilometers in the heat and they were they were fine in that um the most challenging one was el cuestro gorge in the kimberley and that was six and a half hours there were sections that we had to swim through there were boulders that we had to climb over we ran into a death adder halfway through halfway through the trek um, and we just did not expect it to be a six and a half hour walk but they did it and they didn't even complain once and you just think how yeah well you run into old people on all these walks mm. all the grey nomads mm. and they always look at the kids and go wow I can't believe how well they're doing and but do you look at them, the oldies, you look at them and the ones, say I can't believe yes. how well you're doing <laughs> no I don't because they're not doing they're all struggling <laughs> big time but the kids are fine kids are kids are pretty capable I think it's a bit of a lesson for us isn't it especially you know in the modern world we tend to you know cushion our kids um, more and more from life's obstacles from the boulders and the death adders but when you let them loose kids are a lot more resilient than we think yeah absolutely so tell me about life day to day you you've still got to do all the chores I think you sort of said you know life goes on you've still got to wipe the bench tops the bench tops have still got to make the dinner I guess that's chop wood carry water right after enlightenment you still got to do all the jobs <laughs> yeah so what's they still expect to be fed what yeah what's day-to-day life been like it's it kind of turns having all this time off and traveling like this sort of turns some of those day-to-day things in from being chores um into rituals and kind of things to enjoy um they yeah the family still expects to be fed three times a day we've got to do the dishes and there's no dishwasher so we're hand washing and I usually have to boil a kettle 
to wash the dishes. But that's just part of those sort of daily ritual things that you have to do and it doesn't, I don't know, it's not as painful when you're not, when you're not trying to squeeze your life in around work. Um, Talk to me about that. How, how, yeah. do, how do you ritualise something? Like what's an example? Getting up in the morning and putting the jug on and having a cup of tea every morning, sitting outside, always sitting outside, watching wherever we are. Yeah. Just enjoying the moment. Have you found that you're more, have yeah. you found you're more present? I think so. I'm not, I mean, we're not perfect. We still definitely look at our phones probably too much. But yes, we're more present because we're outside, I think, too more. Because we don't have a kitchen inside our camper, everything's outside. Being outside sort of forces you to be present a bit more, I think, than than if you're sitting in a house. And what about like having very little, you know, sort of living this quite minimalist life does it make you a little bit more resourceful does it make you more appreciative yeah definitely I mean I've cooked cakes on the campfire and you appreciate I think I'll go back and appreciate having an oven that's for sure um but you are more resourceful and I've really enjoyed things like when we did the Gibber Gibber River Road it was three weeks um, where we knew we weren't going to have a proper shop for three whole weeks so we had to make sure that we packed enough food and had to be a bit resourceful about fresh food and whether we could bring some canned vegetables or frozen or or whatever but I really enjoy when we get to the end of the two weeks and we've hardly got any food left and I've got to work out what to make for dinner made a lot of pizza dough from scratch um, you can do a lot with flour and yeast. You can do anything with flour and yeast. And I just love that. It's really fun scrounging around thinking, well, I've got a can of corn and I've got a couple of bits of bacon and what can you do with that? So you say that phones still play a part, like you're obviously in touch, you know, you've got internet uh, access now, we're doing this interview, but there must be times when you you don't have a lot of access mm. to the outside world. What's that been like? Yeah, that's been wonderful. Those times when we've had no internet, it's been pretty special. I mean, with everything that happens in the world, it's sometimes kind of nice not to know what's going on. Um, and it's nice for the kids to not have access to the internet. So they get forced to play outside, which they do most of the time anyway, but it just really forces you to slow down. We've met a lot of families on the road who have Elon, who have the Starlink and they have internet all the time. And I think we're glad that we didn't, that we didn't have to as well, because we're not working. We don't, we don't have anything, as long as our family knows we're safe, it doesn't really matter. No one can contact us. What sort of people have you met along the way? So many wonderful families we've met along the way. Um, lots of families who've sold their house, thrown it all in. Families like us who've rented their houses from all different backgrounds and different states. But they're all sort of similar in sort of seeing through the trap of being stuck on the grind. I think everybody sort of that we've met had had a moment where they just thought, why am I doing this? Let's take our kids and just go and have an adventure. You've got one chance to do this usually. Um, but we've met really, really, um, I think, lifelong friends with a lot of people that we've met on the road and they're really quick friendships that you make and you very quickly can tell if a family is one that you gel with or not it's quite amazing how quick you can tell and when you do when that happens we've found ourselves 
that we cook dinner together for the next, you know, week and we go travel around together for a while and it's pretty it's pretty special when that happens. What do you think, what would you tell people who are, I mean, obviously everyone is not going to up and quit their jobs and start travelling. The wheels of industry grind to a halt. But if you could tell people, um, you know, one message about the mistake they're making in, you know, in their ordinary lives, what would it be? Um, I think just not waiting. Don't wait because your kids will be grown up before you know it and you won't be able to go and do it. I think I've I've heard a lot of people with regrets that they said, oh, I've always wanted to do that. But then my kids became teenagers and then they left school where they wouldn't want to travel with me. So if you've got young kids, I'd say just do what you can. And you, know, and you don't have to do a whole around Australia trip, but just get out there and see the country and go to the remote places that I think you don't that you wouldn't just normally fly to on a, on a holiday if you can, go and see go and see the real Australia. Has it been expensive? Yes. <laughs> um, well, it's been more expensive than I thought. When we left, I read a lot of blog articles from families that said budget for $1,000 a week. And I just think, laugh at that now. I think there's no way. I think we've spent about 2000 or two and a half grand a week. What are the costs? Fuel. Fuel is huge especially through sections of the trip where you're traveling five hours a day you know you spend probably we spend probably five hundred dollars a week on fuel and food and then accommodation is in caravan park fees or campground fees we try to free camp as much as possible but there's just lots of parts of Australia where you can't do that and for us I mean we've been we've done some of the things that are expensive that you don't have to do but will never regret doing them like swimming with whale sharks getting a helicopter from the top of Mitchell Falls down to the bottom of Mitchell Falls going to Matt Wright's crocodile park and doing the helicopter ride and staying there but you can't do everything and I think it's it's taught us a lot about spending money and how easily you can spend it eating out and going to wineries that's how we wasted it all in the first three months of the trip (laughs) too many wineries <laughs> and you can't go and have a tasting and not buy a couple bottles so well you've got to have something yep. for the rest of the trip Hannah so that, that yeah that's just, just good sense <laughs> yes I know what are you, what are you going to take back with you when you land back in Sydney and you're you've you know got yourself a new job what are you going to implement into your daily life from this trip it's a really good question I think spending time together, all together as a family, making sure that we're still doing that a lot, that we're not just living our separate lives too much and looking to book the next trip, I guess. We're just making sure that it doesn't stop here, that we don't live this, you know, wonderful dream and then that's the end of our dreams. I think we'll need to come up with some new dreams. Has it changed your relationship with your husband? I think so. I think it was possibly it was harder being together all the time for the first month or two. Well, maybe not. But I feel like we've hit a really good spot now where we're quite good at working together because you've got to work together to pack up the camper every day and to set it up. And so finding a rhythm of being together all day, I think we've we've found a good rhythm now. And what about the kids? Obviously they're twins, so, you know, 
I guess we would assume they have a strong connection anyway. They're each other's playmates. How have you seen them change and grow through this trip? Having twins is is an advantage because they are each other's best friend and they'll just go off and play together for hours and hours. But what I've really seen this trip is they've become so good at making friends. They will literally walk up to another kid in one second. The second they see another kid that's a similar age to them, only if it's a girl, they'll walk up to them and say, will you play with us? And then boom, they're playing. They've got a new bestie. Every single campground we go to, they walk away going, oh, my friend, so-and-so. I just have no fears about them going to school because they've got each other. I mean, that was always going to be easier for them. But now their minds are going to be blown by all the kids that are the same age as them that they can be friends with. It's just going to be, yeah. It's an amazing skill because I, I think kids can be very nervous about approaching other little kids. I remember mine, you know, when we'd go on holidays being like, oh, I don't know how to go up to her. What do I say to her? So I think that's a that's an amazing skill to be able to to take back. Have they learnt a lot? I, I love that your the preschool teacher was like, do it, amazing. And I can see it from that point because I think, at this age, there's probably nothing better to teach them about the world than to to travel. Do you think that they've inhaled a lot of that knowledge? I think so. I think they remember things really clearly. And I probably, I don't think we'll know until we get back. I don't think we'll realise how much they've taken away from it. But just having the context of Australia, having been out there and seen what this whole country is like, I think for them, like how cool as a five-year-old to have that context already of what this country is like beyond Sydney and learning about snakes and, you know, there have been all sorts of places where they get to hold snakes and learning about all the animals and just what's out there, I think that's pretty special for them. Just back to that idea of like once you've started back in in Sydney, uh, I don't want to make you feel... (laughs) deflated <laughs> before you get back you'll obviously be back with friends and family which will be which will be great yeah but what changes do you think you'll make just in your household rhythms besides spending a bit more time with each other will there be a bit more of a less is more attitude I think so I think we'll go back we're really looking forward to going back we're really looking forward to being home now it's been it's been a long time of camping <laughs> Um, and so we're looking forward I cannot wait to have a bathroom inside my house I cannot wait to use my laundry and to have separate bedrooms you know we've been sleeping in one room that's six meters by two meters for nine months so that probably makes we're really looking forward quite tricky we you don't have to yes. talk about that habit but <laughs> we can all imagine let's not go there um yeah so where we are really looking forward to going home actually and and we like where we live and we're very happy there. I think what we'll do differently is I haven't done any online shopping for a whole year and I haven't bought any new clothes except for merch. Like I've, I've bought a few t-shirts from different places, but I am trying to make a promise to myself that I won't buy anything new. I'll do a lot more op shopping. I'll appreciate the clothes that I have. I've lived for nine months with two dresses. So the 20 dresses that are in my cupboard at home will be perfectly fine for the next few years. Looking at Instagram and all of the ads that you get served and not being able to buy anything has been quite freeing because I used to buy things, but now I know you don't have to do that. 
and I think I hope that I can continue that when we get home. You weren't ever tempted to just have something delivered to the next address where you would <laughs> be arriving? No, no. Only we have we have had it happen, but only for things that we really needed that were very boring, like a broken a spare part for the camper trailer. Never anything fun. So what is next for you guys after you get back? What kind of work does Nathan do? He's an electrician, so his company's looking forward to having him back. Okay. Because his boss is, wants to do a similar trip next year, so they need Nathan to step in so that they can go and do the trip. And what about you? Um, I don't know, Kate. I'll be looking for work when I get back. I'll be open-minded about what that looks like. I don't need to go back to a big job in media necessarily. But it sounds like you have changed your mind about what you want or what, what you need from, from work. What do you want, want to get from work? It would be nice to have a fulfilling job that means something. Yeah, I think a job where you can tell that you were doing something good, where that you can, can get some purpose from it as well as money would be ideal. Well, to anyone listening, just remember what I said, Hannah is a proper person. So if you have a meaningful... <laughs> interesting job out there she's definitely the person who could help you with it Hannah what's next stop after this where do you where do you head you said you're heading back up through New South Wales what which which towns are you going to hit we're going to go and pick up our dog from our friends in Geelong and we're so excited to see her we've really missed pumpkin so we'll be picking up pumpkin and then we'll be doing a tour of some family farms that we've never visited out in the middle of nowhere because we don't normally do that. So we thought we've got a month left. We might as well visit those family and friends that we haven't seen for ages. End up at Mullabimby where the where my my in-laws farm is, and so that's where we'll finish off, and then we'll go home. Sounds amazing. I'm so envious. I think so many people would be, but I, I hear your advice. Um, don't wait. Do it now. Um, Hannah, thanks for chatting to us. Um, it's just been lovely. Thanks, Kate. I love hearing about it. I hope, and I've loved watching you on Instagram too to see all of your ad- adventures. So um, I really think maybe you should write a book about this. It'd be very interesting. <laughs> There's a publisher out there, sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thanks, Kate. So nice to speak to you. <laughs>